Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Hello and welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, your host for today. I'm a member of the staff at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and each week we bring you an in-depth conversation with different creative people at this time on MPB. Our producer is Kevin Farrell. Today we have a very special um, a very special show. We are going to be speaking to one of our own rather than having a guest in, but a very important one of our own. Our new executive director, Sarah Story, is with us. Sarah, welcome. Thank you, Larry. I'm just so thrilled to be here, both in, back in Mississippi and on this show today. You are the new executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. You started... Uh, November 1st and have hit the ground running over the last little bit you've been here. A lot of people saw your um, announcement uh, for you taking the job over the last month or so, but for people that aren't uh, aren't aware, why don't you just give us a little thumbnail about who you are and where you come from, and then we're going to dig in a lot deeper. Absolutely. So I come from Jackson, Mississippi. I grew up here and grew up all over the state. Um, Went to college at the University of Mississippi and studied painting and started interning at the University Museum and Historic Houses, which of course includes our our favorite Roanoke, William Faulkner's home. I then went to New Orleans to work at the Ogden Museum of Art and attend graduate school at the University of New Orleans. After about seven years in New Orleans, I moved on over to Austin, Texas, and was there for the past two and a half years at the Umoff Sculpture Garden and Museum as executive director. So I'm just real thrilled to be back in Mississippi now serving in this position. That's great. So you've had a round tour of the of the Deep South's visual arts institutions and back to take the helm. Uh, Succeeding uh, Malcolm White, who is our longtime director here for many years, who retired on June 30, uh, excuse me, on September 30th, for those of you who didn't hear the news, but he is uh, very happy in retirement. So let's let's dig in. So as you mentioned, you have a, a background in visual arts and in painting, but I think the um, kind of the artistic gene or the, the the curiosity gene kind of goes back farther in your family. You were you mentioned to me talking about both your uh, great grandmother, a great grandmother, and a grandmother who kind of have whose whose lives and interests kind of intersect with your own. Absolutely, I was really lucky to grow up with my uh, grandmother around my my mother's side of the family in Jackson. She was a painter. Um, she was a part of the Gaddis Group and exhibited all over the city had friends all over the state was just really involved in little art scenes around around Mississippi she um, was taught by John Gaddis and also had had lessons from Mary Hole um, one of her neighbors growing up so she passed in 2015 but it did start even before that her mother who was Jane Elizabeth Fig she was actually 
working as the hostess of the new capital in around 1947. So she had a real interest and curiosity in, in the culture of Mississippi and sharing that with others. She actually received a master's degree in English, which was pretty rare for a woman um, during that time. And so I feel really blessed to have that those role models in my life of strong women working in the arts and um, in fact just feeling that it's really special that my great-grandmother used to work right next door at the Capitol as we sit here working in the Woolfolk building for the Mississippi Arts Commission. Yeah, how about that? Just right across the street. Amazing. I can see it right outside of my window. Now your great-grandmother, you did not know her. She passed before you were born, that's correct? Correct. I, know, I was never able to meet her. But your grandmother, who was the visual artist, talk about kind of growing up and seeing her as a working uh, painter and artist. What, what kind of impression that might have made on you or maybe anything that she shared with you? Yeah, you know, she, she was just a real curious, um, really amazing woman. I just loved everybody, could talk to anybody. Um, she was painting for as long as I could remember, as well as my aunt, who, who is still living in Jackson and painting today. So, you know, I had a, a really interesting childhood growing up around that and just thinking that was normal to have relatives that were able to paint every day and um, make a living, connect with other creatives. They uh, were always really uh, sweet to let us use the watercolors, use the paintbrushes, be creative, express ourselves. And they and my grandmother would also take us to museums around the state um, and to art shows and to meet other artists. And, you know, looking back, I just um, can see how much that truly influenced my entire life. Now, but I, I, I think I recall you saying that that you really didn't develop your interest in kind of actively engaging with visual arts as a, as, as a, in drawing and painting until you went to college. Is that right? Or did you have any kind of, did she try to encourage you? Did she give you any lessons? Yeah. So I, I did do a little bit of drawing and painting with her and then a little bit in school and, you know, through elementary, junior high and high school, but it was not a focus of mine. I, I felt like it was just like any other subject that I was taking in school um, and, and being around it all the time, I think I took it for granted a little bit. So I went to college at um, University of Mississippi and, and started in the sciences. I believe I started in kinesiology. Um, and then I, I did take a drawing class with a friend and painting class in the art department up there and was really encouraged by the teachers at that time, uh, Sherry Reith and Philip Jackson, who was, who's actually Philip still up there. Carlisle Wolf um, to to pursue a degree in in painting. So I was fortunate at that time as well to just have good mentors and role models around. You're listening to the Arts Hour on MPB. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Sarah Story. She's the new executive director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. Talk about kind of how you went from what was it in kind of those initial classes that kind of sounds like you were really kind of focused in the sciences, which is at the whole other end of the spectrum of kind of college life. What, what sparked your interest? Do you have kind of a memory of what took you over to the visual arts side from the sciences? Yes, I really 
became interested in the way that humans express themselves through visual art and especially just having that time to be in a college setting in a classroom where you're focused solely on drawing for you know two to four hours at a time just a real gift to be able to sit and think and explore to be pushed by professors and, and other students and so I really became interested in how I could express myself differently and better, how I could think through issues in my own life and in the world, um, how I could reflect what was going on around me, think through things through the visual arts. And um, that's just something that I had never experienced that side of the visual arts before. I believe before that and in high school and before and with my grandmother, it was more of just producing something on paper uh, for fun or as a reproduction. And so that was a new element for me that was introduced during that time. And what was the work of your undergraduate years? What did you come to focus on or really enjoy? What what was the work like? So my, my BFA ended up being a series of, of work in oil painting. Um, I would look at marbles, the little play toy marbles, and zoom in on a particular area and focus on a very small portion of one marble and just paint the color and light and forms that flew or flowed through the object. And so for me, it was just thinking through um, how light and form changes in each individual small area of an object, but then also in the object itself and how that's very reflective of humanity, how you know our surroundings, our environment, and our changes uh, so much based on, or changes us so much, you know, who we spend our time around, what our influences are, what we're thinking through. It changes our perspectives, our behaviors, our, um, what we give out into the world. And uh, that became the focus of, of my thesis. So they, they, the body of work looked like two feet by two feet, a series of paintings of just um, really uh, zoomed in portions of toy marbles kind of an abstraction not like you could tell it was a marble exactly right. yeah so an abstraction of a small piece of a marble so thinking th a lot through you know themes and George O'Keefe's work or um, even Flannery O'Connor's writings about just self and seeing oneself in the other and how our environments influence us etc and so when you were graduating, did you have a sense of like, you know, now I'm going to become, I'm going to Paris and going to become a painter or what, what was kind of your, your next step as you were finishing that up? What, what were you envisioning for yourself? Well, early on, I was envisioning a life of painting and hopefully pursuing uh, graduate school in painting and becoming a becoming a college professor and working artist. But during that time, it was around 2008. And so um, oh, yes. <laughs> it was not a good time to pursue that path. Right, right. So I had luckily at the same time, I had started interning um, early on in my college career, uh, interning at the University Museum in Historic Homes. And I actually was able to get a job there after my internship when I was a junior in college and I worked as the creator of education and really at the same time as I was um, enjoying and loving painting, I was also 
learning more and more about how the arts can affect a community, how arts can affect so many different types of industries um, and departments in the community, all different types of people, and how a museum can really play a role in facilitating different conversations and programs to bring people together and also educate uh, people and ask questions. Um, for example, during that time, it was Michelle Obama's initiative, Let's Move Museum and Gardens. So we were able to really help the community learn more about the importance of nutrition and exercise through a museum setting. So I found that to be um, really interesting. That's great. So it was a pretty quick kind of, do you feel like it was a pretty quick turnover from kind of the 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 world was it hard to let go of the 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 vision of 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 yourself as you know primarily visual artist or was that did 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 your interests shift quickly there or what are your memories of that yeah so it was parallel for a while so I was able to do both for a couple years and when I graduated undergrad I was still working at the university museum and able to paint and um continue as curator of education for about a year or so. Um, and then I decided to pursue my graduate degree in New Orleans and arts administration and also go work at the Ogden Museum of Southern Art as project coordinator. And that's when I really had to make that choice between visual arts and a career in um, a career in the business side of the arts. And it it was difficult in some ways, but at the same time, I was so grateful for the opportunity and just grateful to be able to have jobs available in a graduate school opportunity in the arts that um, I just jumped. I jumped right in. And um, the Ogden Museum had, you know, just recently gone through Katrina as the whole coast had. And so there was a lot of work to do and a lot of um, a lot of exciting work to be done. It felt like a startup back then um, because just everything of course had been had changed after Katrina so it was a really good opportunity and I was very grateful for that this is Larry Morrissey thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour the show is broadcast on MPB statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. for access to all our past shows please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission. Today, our guest is Sarah Story. She is the new executive director at my agency, your agency, the Mississippi Arts Commission in Jackson. Well, Sarah, before we leave the uh, the college years, I just want to talk a little bit more. And you, you know, as part of your bio and resume and that, uh, it's mentioned, the, the Honors College is mentioned. And I just was, it's a really interesting kind of... Um, subgrouping of 
the larger university, and I know a lot of the big universities have them. And I was just curious to hear kind of your take on what the Honors College did, for, you know, what that experience as part of your undergrad meant for you and, you know, what opportunities or what, what things did, that, did, you, did you pull from that? Yeah, the Honors College was one of the biggest influences in my life. I'm so grateful to the staff and people in the state that fund that segment of the university. The Honors College was so great for me because it was smaller classes, and we really were able to speak with our professors more. We had a designated advisor that we met with frequently. We were able to talk through things that we were thinking about or our college path, you know, different subjects we were interested in. But then most importantly, they gave us a lot of money to travel and explore. They really encouraged curiosity and learning and really taught us how to ask questions. Um, And so, for example, they helped fund two summers of mine that I spent during college in Peru. And I was able to teach English as a second language at night. And during the day, I was able to teach in a public school system. I was teaching art um, to a bunch of Peruvian children. And that was part of one of my original theses before I decided to pursue a BFA in painting. And interestingly enough, my thesis was very similar to the whole school's initiative concept of thinking about how we can incorporate art into the schools more when it is dwindling and, you know, in some cases just doesn't exist. Wow. So did you, uh, were you uh, in conversation, did you have like conversational Spanish in order to do, do that teaching? Or? Yes. I w- back then I was, um, I believe I almost minored in Spanish. Um, I'd, I had taken Spanish for years and and when I was um, living in Peru I was taking lessons. So I was, I was proficient, I would say. What was that experience like teaching, you know, in, in, a, in a foreign country and, and, and the kind of the abstraction of, of art as well? It's, you know, it's a lot of it is conceptual. Well, it was really interesting. Um, it was a really good experience for me. I had always taken art for granted and realized that, you know, obviously a lot of people and children in our country don't get that experience. And of course, all over the world don't get that experience. So, it was neat to be in a setting where that didn't really exist and just thinking through like how do you how do you break this down to its very basics to teach this to a group of children and teachers that um, are not familiar with the concepts of shape and form and color and expressing oneself through utilizing those forms so um, one major thing that I did uh, in most classrooms was go back to Walt Anderson's basic motifs you know that's a really easy way for people to think through how to express um, just things that they see or how they're feeling, things in nature. And there was a lot of a lot of variety of ways that we would approach um, different theories or just try to think through how to um, communicate visually. And it, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a completely different culture and just really good for me to get out of my comfort zone and, and learn about a new place. And was that like a whole semester type process or what? That was so... The time that I was actually in Peru, I believe, was about two months for two different summers. So I think it was oh, around... okay. So you went back. Okay, yeah. great. So I think it was around 2011 and 2013. And before we leave before we leave Oxford onto New Orleans and, and, and beyond, 
talk a little about, so you worked at the University Museum there for a while, and I think it's just a really interesting institution that it doesn't get quite enough coverage overall. I think some people know about it, one thing or the other, but it is a really kind of unique little, unique smaller visual arts museum. And I just want you to kind of maybe talk about your memories of it and, and, and things that people should know about it. Absolutely. So I was working, I started interning in collections and so got to work with the Greek and Roman collection. There's um, really interesting American art collection. There's coins. There's uh, some scientific art influences there. Some African art. There's a whole wide variety of just amazing art just in the collections itself. And then, of course, they do a lot of changing exhibitions. Um, we did, during that time, we did a G's Ben quilt exhibition. We did um, exhibition of William Eccleston and, and many other uh, wonderful artists. And then, of course, Roanoke, William Faulkner's home, is a part of that complex. And um, also his uh, woods, uh, Bailey's Woods, which connect the University Museum with Roanoke, his historic home. So it's just a beautiful complex. You can really enjoy it in a couple of hours. Um, just interesting to see the wide variety of art that is there. And um, they still do offer a lot of incredible programs, a lot of which are free. Um, they also do a, a pretty amazing traveling chunk program, which I got to work on later as education curator. And um, so if you're a teacher and around that region, you can get a chunk of, of art supplies. And uh, sometimes there will be art from the collection or reproductions in that trunk. And you can bring it back to your classroom and and share that with the students in, in that area. And um, that's particularly helpful for schools that maybe aren't able to do the field trips to, the, to a museum or able to make that trip because um, of lack of bus fare, et cetera. So it was a real, it's a real special institution. You're listening to the Arts Hour on MPB. I'm Larry Morrissey. Our guest today is Sarah Story. She's the new executive director at the Mississippi Arts Commission in Jackson. So after um, your time at the university, you, you went down south to New Orleans and the, the Ogden Museum of Art, which is itself a, just a very distinctive institution. Um, talk about the Ogden, just, you know, your, like University Museum, what are, what are the things that stand out to you about that place? Yeah, it's also a very unique and special institution, um, especially in the context of when I arrived there. Uh, William Andrews, who's still the executive director there, had just started as executive director of the Ogden. That was in 2012. And he uh, was really able to help make the Ogden a more visible place within the community, both showing work of the regional South, but also of local artists. And he was able to bring a lot of structure to an institution that, uh, as I mentioned before, just you know, after Katrina, every every institution and every business was was suffering. So um, he was able to bring a lot of organizational structure and vision and life back into that institution. And um, I remember when I arrived, no one really, even locally, very few people knew what the Ogden was. So when I said, you know, I work, I work over at the Ogden Museum and in the warehouse district. And, you know, at that time, not many people went down to the warehouse district. It wasn't the um, booming area of town that it is now. And so it was really amazing to be a part of just that rapid growth and change, both with the visibility of the Ogden, 
um, growing the Ogden to uh, reach more national audiences, traveling shows to museums all over the country, and then also growing the visibility locally and growing with that district, the warehouse district, as it has grown so much. We're also fortunate um, that Prospect New Orleans was able to continue, so I was able to be a part of two iterations of Prospect New Orleans, which is the tricentennial that um, is in in that city every year and brings artists and curators from all over the world to show in institutions, galleries, and other settings throughout the city. Um, it usually lasts from about five months out of, out of every three years, and it's just a really special time and a really interesting way to highlight New Orleans and just share the stories of the, the Southern region with a wider audience. Now, New Orleans, of course, everyone you know, most people in Mississippi go to New Orleans at one point or the other, and and the and the music and the food and everything is you know most prominent. But you know, the city has such a a very distinctive and, and long visual arts tradition. And, and I'm just curious in terms of just when you got there and and what was going on. What what kind of what really stood out to you in kind of the broader. Uh, visual arts scene of New Orleans. What things did you not know about and learn about? What were things that really caught your attention? You know, not just at the Ogden, but kind of in the broader community. Yeah, so there, so in New Orleans, there were a lot of artists moving back there and moving to an area called the Bywater um, because it was pretty inexpensive to live in New Orleans after Katrina. Um, so the artists were really driving a lot of growth in the city and in new areas. And that was really cool to watch and to witness. Of course that has happened in other cities, but I I had never seen that type of growth of a city before. So artists run galleries started popping up in the Bywater and in the Marigny. Um, And then, you know, more artists and people would move to those areas. Restaurants would pop up. And so it was just really cool to see an artist-driven uh, economy. Um, of course, there was already the New Orleans Museum of Art, which has um, been a staple there for over 100 years. The Ogden, which at that time was only about 10 years old. And then Julia Street Galleries, a couple of magazine street galleries, French Quarter. But th- it was a really new era for New Orleans and just more, more and more artists moving there to work. And I guess this is the time in which you kind of really committed to kind of a, more committed to kind of arts administration and working in in cultural institutions. And um, so talk about that kind of, you know, you did a, a fairly quick rise up in the ranks there at the museum and kind of going from, you know, kind of project oriented to really doing management stuff and and talk about like that and how that how that influenced kind of where you saw yourself going in the future. Yeah, so as project coordinator at the Ogden, um, I was also at the same time in graduate school at the University of New Orleans in arts administration so that I could really gain the knowledge more about nonprofit business, finances, management, marketing, you know, everything that has to do with running a nonprofit business. And so I was working during that time. There was just so much to be done. So I was probably working 60 to 70 hours a week minimum. And then also going to graduate school. There was just so many exciting exhibitions that we wanted to do. We were trying to grow the institution. 
with any type of growth, there's a lot of staff changes. So I was filling in in a lot of different areas. I think I was communications director for a while as well. So I was able to get a lot of really key hands-on boots on the ground experience um, quickly because of just the rapid growth of the Ogden, the changes in staff as we were, as William was creating a really stable uh, structure and organization. So that allowed me when I graduated graduate school to become deputy director and I was able to really think more museum wide about strategy, you know, work with all the different departments on growing the institution, growing their departments, growing their numbers, um, thinking about how we can all work towards becoming a more visible and sustainable and impactful institution in the city of New Orleans and uh, throughout the nation. And so that experience as deputy director made me realize that I did particularly enjoy working museum-wide rather than in a particular department or in a particular project or between a couple of of departments. I really liked that overall strategy, just thinking through larger issues and and problems and opportunities for the institution, creating those larger partnerships with other organizations, working with different curators, working with different museums. And that is what definitely helped me realize that I wanted to continue my career and and becoming executive director in my next role. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Sarah Story. She's the new executive director at the Mississippi Arts Commission in Jackson. When we last left, you were uh, rapidly rising up the ranks at the Ogden Museum of Art in New Orleans, but then you were quickly, not so quickly, maybe uh, after that rapid rise, off to Austin, Texas. So tell us about this Umlauf Sculpture Garden, where you were the ex- executive director. Yes, the Umlauf Sculpture Garden is a wonderful institution. It's in the heart of Austin, Texas. It's particularly interesting to me because the entire grounds and original art collection was a gift of an artist, Charles Umlauf, to his beloved city and community of Austin. And that gift, the nine acres of property, and his 164 sculptures and works of art allowed the city of Austin to preserve that land, which is so important because Austin has grown so much in the past 30 years that no arts institution or nonprofit or artist would be able to afford to purchase or preserve a place like that anymore. And so it was such a gift to the city and to the future communities 
and generations that live in Austin and also for tourists and out-of-towners that go to Austin are able to enjoy that space. That's a very unique uh, institution to be, to kind of manage. So talk about some of this, you know, kind of particular challenges for an outdoor art institution. Yes. So it is challenging. Everyone should thank their local museum directors and nonprofit leaders, especially ones that have facilities and gardens to manage, um, because it is just real interesting. I learned so much about um, water pumps and and how um, water flowing off of a hill can destroy all of your trails in your garden every time that it rains. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and <laughs> electrical issues in a garden, you know, just everything. And um, it was uh, a particularly interesting space, though, truly, because um, we were operating on half of the property. So we were operating on about three and a half acres of land. But then we also had the opportunity to grow and expand into another three acres of land um, of Charles Umloff's actual home and his his studio. And so it was really such a special place to just be able to see, similar to working with Faulkner's home, just the ability to see where an artist and creative lived and worked and um, in the space that he inhabited and was able to be so creative in. And so it was really special to bring artists, we did do exhibitions about other artists as well, to bring artists and creatives in, um, both performing artists, visual artists, we worked with architect groups, um, to rethink how the garden could be imagined from a creative perspective and how visitors could experience it in new ways. And so it was a really exciting time to just constantly be working with different uh, creative people from all different sectors uh, to think about how to make that space new and exciting for both the local Austin community and for, for visitors that were coming in from out of town. And I guess a, a different thing where in at Ogden you were kind of second in command, but at Umlauf you were you were the you were the main person. So what was that difference like for you? Yeah, so it was a big shift in the sense um, that I was solely responsible for the well-being of the institution, primarily in fundraising, because um, although we were a public-private partnership with the city of Austin, we also had to fundraise the majority of our budget every year. And then um, just overseeing the entire organization, everything from the well-being of the facilities and garden to um, working with the curator on exhibitions, uh, thinking through programs and strategic partnerships. Um, I was able to work with the city of Austin frequently on larger initiatives. Uh, we, we created a program called Lab at the Umlauf is one example to address the venue crisis in Austin because the prices were rising so quickly for rent and for space for artists and for performing artists. They, they were all being driven out of the city. So we really made a strategic decision to work with any nonprofit performing arts group to allow them to enjoy the space and perform at no cost to them and allow them to um, take in all of the ticket sales so that they could pay their artists and uh, or dancers, performing artists. And then we would co-market and co-brand the events together and co-promote and just really try to elevate the art scene throughout Austin. Um, so that was a real exciting time just to be able to think through how to both preserve the arts and city that was growing so fast, and then also how to elevate it at the same time. 
You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Sarah Story. She's the new executive director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. So let's talk about the Mississippi Arts Commission. Uh, Malcolm White was here for many years. Um, He retired at the end of September, and the kind of call went out nationally to so what, what about um, Mississippi, what about the Arts Commission or the Arts in Mississippi captured your interest as a possibility for you? Well, growing up in Mississippi, I was really shaped by all of the cultural influences from literature to the blues, from um, theater to visual arts, both in my family and just the visual art all around us. Um, and and that influence formed my entire career um, and my lifelong passion for both preserving and promoting the arts. And when the opportunity came up, I was particularly interested because as everyone who had just gone through the COVID isolation and a time that kind of slowed down for the world and in our jobs and our families. Um, I was just thinking through what I really wanted to be working in and what environment I would be really interested in working for the arts. I mean, I, and I had time, some time to think about that. And I was able to take a trip back to Mississippi around July, and I didn't know about the job opening yet, but I, I guess it was really good timing because I was a, it was the first time I had taken some time to really explore Mississippi again and um, see old friends and colleagues and for longer than a, a couple of days over a holiday, etc. So I was here for about 10 days and was in Oxford for a while. I got to, see, to visit with um, some old teachers and colleagues there. got to see some friends from the Delta and went down to Laurel, um, went to the Lauren Rogers Museum of Art, you know, came to Jackson, visited with Betsy over at the Mississippi Museum of Art, and uh, just re-explored that museum. And um, and I realized on that trip that everything that I could ever want is in Mississippi. Um, it's all here. And I, I don't think I'd ever really had that perspective until I was able to leave for a while and then um, come back and, and just rediscover that, the joy of, of home and that sense of place and that excitement around being in an environment that created everything that I am and so I think a few weeks later I actually found out about the job and it was just it all fell into place and I was very excited to hear that sad to hear that Malcolm was retiring but excited to hear that this opportunity existed so I I did decide to apply and just to see what you know what would happen if they would be interested in, in talking with me more about the position and, um, and it was a, just a really great process. And I became, as time went on, I just became more and more excited thinking about the arts statewide and um, all of the cultural heritage that we have, all of the traditions, the incredible artists that have been in Mississippi and that are currently here. And how do we preserve that for future generations to come? How do we get Mississippians now to um, to be even more excited about the arts, to make sure that we're spreading the word uh, in all of our communities throughout the state. How, how can we connect artists and, and creative people more so that, you know, the arts statewide is, is elevated both in our state and nationwide. And so I just became really excited about thinking through these larger picture 
ideas and concepts. So I'm, I'm really excited to be here and to get started. Yeah, well, you obviously have a, a strong background in the in you know the history of visual arts in Mississippi and and been around a lot of great practitioners. But so talk about just kind of with that trip and kind of your return. What are some areas of arts and culture of Mississippi that you're eager to learn more about? I'm really eager to learn more about the folk art side of what the commission is able to work with and promote and um, and all of the amazing mentorship programs that the Mississippi Arts Commissions offer to, for traditional artists to teach their art forms to future generations. That's an area that I know you're very familiar with, Larry, since you were in that position. Yeah, I did a little bit on that. <laughs> um, but that's something, that's an area that is pretty new for me. And um, I just think it's fascinating and so important to not only promote the contemporary and exciting new art forms, but also to preserve what's been around and what has shaped communities for, for generations. Thinking kind of about Mississippi and, and so people are hearing you talk about being from Jackson, but I know that you kind of have family connections that kind of uh, spider out from just not just Jackson. So for the people that want to know your people kind of question, <laughs> talk about kind of your, your broader familial connection to to the rest of the state, other parts of the state besides Jackson. Yeah, so although I grew up in Jackson, I really spent so much time in the Mississippi Delta. Um, my parents have land up there. My my father's a dentist, and so he actually has a practice both in Belzona, Mississippi, and also in Jackson, Mississippi. So we know tons of good Delta folks and, and Belzonians and people around that area. Then um, my uncle and aunt live in Macon, Mississippi, so I spent a lot of time in that area uh, growing up. I have a sister now in Laurel, Mississippi, and then my father grew up in Ocean Springs, so I've really been able to explore and experience a lot of the state for the majority of my life, and and I'm really excited to be able to travel again as soon as this pandemic is over and explore the parts that I haven't been able to see yet. That's great. Yeah, you've got a lot of good connections there. Well, um, so you hit the ground running uh, November 1st, and we've been rapidly kind of going through all the, you know, getting uh, getting your name badge, getting your ID badge for the <laughs> building and, you know, just kind of the necessary things that happen. But, you know, for, and, and also talking with all the staff about what we do here. I, I know it's too early to kind of really talk in specific terms about you know, what you hope to accomplish or things that you're, you're, you know, you're hoping for the Arts Commission, but kind of any kind of broad strokes or just kind of first impressions that you're, you're thinking about just in terms of uh, for your tenure at the agency. Yeah, so a couple things that I've been thinking through and just asking people about, and, and of course, I'm, I'm really just trying to meet with as many people as possible now, both donors and staff and partners and commissioners all over the state just so I can learn more before you know, I set big agendas for the agency. But things that I'm just thinking through and asking questions about mostly revolve around how do we, how do we use the arts to bring people together, uh, diverse communities, people statewide, you know, people that are interested in art, people that maybe have not discovered an interest in art yet. Um, maybe they haven't, maybe there's, I know there's probably a lot of people in this state that haven't had that opportunity. How do we create a wide as reach as possible? 
but also how how do we help support the artists and arts organizations and um, nonprofits in the state? How can we support them to become more sustainable, more effective in their communities? Help you know find resources for them to be able to grow and thrive, you know, do what they do best in their own regions, and then thinking a lot about how do we work with the state and other departments in the state to raise the visibility of Mississippi through the arts and our, and culture and, and tourism. And I think there's such an opportunity there uh, to make both Mississippians more aware and proud of the arts, but also people from outside of the state just excited to come here. I know there's, there's a lot of, of course, already audiences that know and love Mississippi and, and the arts here, but there's just so much more opportunity to grow that. And then specifically, I'm interested in how we can grow our connectivity through digital technology. I just think that's such a gift that we have, and we've even had to push further during COVID to connect to new audiences, to connect to different groups, to connect to organizations more quickly than we we ever have been able to before in the past. So I think these are all just exciting questions that I'm just starting to ask and uh, always open to hearing other people's ideas and thoughts and, uh, and visions for the commission. Great. And and I guess I would just say for people who are interested in getting to know you, you know, maybe they are curious about having you come eventually visit their community or see what they're doing. I guess we could just direct them to the Arts Commission website to uh, contact us directly, either through email or through the phone. And that's at arts.ms.gov. That's the Arts Commission's uh, state agency website. Uh, you can Find a full bio on Sarah there and also learn more about the Arts Commission activities. So, Sarah, it's great to have you here. Uh, Welcome. And um, I'm sure everybody's going to be very excited to meet you as you kind of make your way around the state as soon as it's safe to do so. So thanks again. And uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for taking the time to interview me. And I appreciate the opportunity to work with you, the rest of the team, and um, the entire state of Mississippi. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app.